Are you ready to go? Anything you want to say before we get? Anybody you'd like to apologize to? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd like to apologize to Pip for something. <laughs> I assume uh, that's what you're leading me on for, but no, uh, yeah, I, I have no idea. Um, oh, 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 geez, you give me a heart attack there. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> so <laughs> I'd like to apologize let's... to Pip for dragging him into this podcast. <laughs> uh, you tricked me. Yes. Um, all right. So let's get this started. Hello, and welcome back to All Rings Considered, a read through the Lord of the Rings. Uh, today we are on book four, chapter 10. That is the last chapter in this book, The Choices of Master Samwise, and it is episode 43. So a quick summary of the chapter. Um, Sam catches up to Shelob and Frodo, and there is a battle with Shelob. Sam stabs her in the eye, uh, and this, you know, he enrages her, and she tries to pound down onto the ground to crush Sam uh, underneath her belly. Sam is actually holding Sting upwards as this happens, and so, as described in the book, something that no uh, mortal could have done, no great warrior, which is to pierce Shelob uh, with a sword. Shelob actually does this to herself with Sam on the ground. So she is wounded, and she is... Uh, chased off by Sam uh, with a file of Gladriel, and Sam believes that Frodo is dead, so he, he decides to take the ring and continue on. As he's continuing on, he encounters some orcs who pick up Frodo's body, and Sam decides to chase on after them, and he chases them up into uh, uh, kind of like the base of a, uh, a path um, and that leads up into their, uh, their tower, and uh, he hears overhears conversation that actually Frodo isn't dead, and Sam climbs the stairs to chase them. Uh, he, Sam actually I, I forgot to mention Sam has the ring on his finger, yeah. so he is currently invisible. And uh, the chapter ends with him uh, outside the door of uh, one of the rooms uh, in the Orcs Tower. Yeah, uh, it actually has one of the best chapter endings, book endings volume endings that you could have asked for i think um this last line should we read it now let's do it go for it yeah last line of the two towers of book four of this chapter frodo was alive but taken by the enemy ah you just you can't get any better than that um i can't imagine if you were reading this when it was published and you had only a volume at a time so you were stuck on this cliffhanger for a little while i don't even know what i would do i'd be Oh, be upset. But even when you're reading it now, you're still stuck with this bit of a cliffhanger because you you don't keep on with Frodo and Sam's thread, plot thread. Right. You go back to, uh, you're, we're about to go back to Gandalf and Pippin, actually. So you're still stuck with this. Oh my gosh, I don't know how this is going to go. So it's a great ending. There's something I, I want to mention about the, the beginning too. They have this, this, exciting scene right so uh mm -hmm. it's a scene with a lot of action with um sam chasing up to uh shelob and, and frodo and one of the things i noticed when i was reading it this time was that they have a lot of it almost felt a little like comic book like not in content but in the way in which things were described so there is a switching between these three characters between frodo's perspective and uh like using Frodo as the subject of the sentence, then Sam, then Shelob, and it kind of it kind of switches back and forth 
hmm. in a way that kind of is just quick. So each one, each sentence kind of switches the subject and you get this sort of like action cadence to it. Yeah. It is nice. It's a good, nice action scene. And it was easy to follow along with too. I didn't feel like, I think sometimes in books, including in the Lord of the Rings, I can at least personally have a hard time following action, but I thought this one was always very clear. Um, I liked the twist that Shelob herself causes her own death. Like if she just let Sam try and stab her, it wouldn't have worked. But the fact that she wants to like sting him with such force causes her to use the force that ends up not killing her, I guess, but wounding her um, seriously enough that she has to um, retreat eventually. So I thought that was nice. I, could, I don't know. I, I appreciate it. I thought it was a good, well-written action scene. I really appreciate the stuff that comes right after the action scene, though. I think where Sam thinks Frodo is dead, it's mm. a really, um, really powerful depiction of grief, I think. Uh, almost more so than we've seen with... We, we've had other characters die in the book. We've had Gandalf. We've had Boromir. But this is... I don't know. None, none of them... Neither of those two deaths did the reaction of the characters get me thinking about how real that is true that is to to life not that there was anything wrong with their reaction but sam here we have lines about how after he thinks he's dead it says and then black despair came down on him and sam bowed to the ground and drew his gray hood over his head and night came into his heart and he knew no more and then it just there's a line break and then it says when at last the blackness passed sam looked up yada 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 he was still in the same place, and still his master lay beside him dead. The mountains had not crumbled, nor the earth fallen into ruin. And I just thought that, like, that moment of just complete despair when someone you know and love has died, but then when you come back to it, you know, seeing that the world is still there. unchanged is, I don't know, I could, I could relate to that. I was thinking, man, that's exactly what it feels like. I knew exactly the feeling he was going for here. So I thought that was really powerful, um, as well as when Sam's thinking through... His choices now, and that's the title of the chapter, of course, the, the choices of Master Samwise. What, what, what are his options? What he, can he do? And he thinks about how there's, there's several of these like vengeance options, right? He can go find Gollum and take revenge. But as it says here, quote, it would not bring him back. Nothing would. I thought that was, again, a powerful realization that I think a lot of folks who have had to go through grief have to have to go through. Yeah, I actually, I, I like, um, kind of the ambiguity about right after um, when night enters into his heart and he knows no more and then he comes back to his senses I think it's it's questionable whether he actually passes out yeah um, or if it's just in you know a, a uh, like phenomenological experience for him yeah I didn't take it as passing out you know what I mean and I think hmm. you easily could and I think it's a very fair interpretation but it just wasn't my take on it at all like I I think he the world just froze and for you know what for all i'm cons all you can tell it that could have been a minute that could have been 30 seconds whatever right. this gap is and I, I love that you can't tell and I, I yeah i don't think he passed out he just mentally went blank emotionally blank hmm. i love it so actually um this is maybe an interesting first uh there is some great stuff in this chapter but it's actually a chapter i don't like um, oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. So, Although, you know what? I'm not surprised. Let's hear why. Yeah. Um, so after Sam puts on the ring and he is uh, listening to the orcs, um, yeah. you actually, um, I think in a different place, it would actually be kind of cool. But Sam hears the orcs speaking common. 
uh, like common tongue. Uh, and whether that's because of the power of the ring, uh, that a Sam kind of believes it is, um, mm-hmm. or they're actually speaking the common tongue to each other, maybe different races of works. It's not said explicitly, but we're led to believe that it's the power of the ring is doing this and that the orcs are actually speaking uh, in a way that is very Sam-like. Um, and so it's less harsh, more silly, in a way very folksy, uh, the way that orcs are, are speaking. And I think, like I said, in a different context, I think that would be great to hear. Um, but there is such a strange disconnect from the seriousness uh, for me, like at that half point after yeah. um, you have this, I mean, the, you read it, but you know, the uh, night entered into his heart, like you can like how rending is that? Right. That's yeah. uh, and, and then there's this kind of like, Oh, boom, 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 like works, you know, talking like, you know, sailors or, or something that's, yeah. that's very, and for so like, long it drags too, me out. It's a very long orc conversation, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, and there, there's exposition there, right? But 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 also, is the I mean, is there just in the sense of there's almost there's some exposition, but it still seems longer than what we find out. Yeah, you find out Frodo isn't dead, yeah, and that you get uh, a sense that there's out of the orcs uh, don't I mean you know there's war going on and they don't like yeah. uh, their jobs, but I mean. Did I need to know that? I don't know. Yeah. you. I do like the sort of comical or the ironic take of how they think there must be a great elvish warrior out there. And it's just yeah. Sam. That's nice. I like that bit. But we, yeah, we do get a lot of this. Like, oh, they knew Gollum was like, they had seen Gollum. They'd seen Gollum a couple times before. It's like, okay. And we do a lot of time establishing this. We get a lot of time establishing how this one orc, Lugbers or whoever, I'm assuming he's an orc, of course you know wants any captives taken alive and like unharmed um okay it, i don't know it's just it, it is a lot of stuff i do think you could have tightened this this conversation up and gotten to the powerful cliffhanger a lot sooner yeah i would but, have loved yeah. to get to that powerful cliffhanger in a way that didn't change tone like i think this the, yeah uh but you know yeah i was thinking too when I was reading through this chapter to go to circle back to what if I were reading this in publication, like live with publication and uh, you, you know, you just got your copy of the two towers and you get to this point before you finish this chapter, I could totally see buying into the fact that Frodo is dead because the whole of book four has been Sam's point of view. We've talked about this, right? It's as if we've been primed to be like, yeah, maybe this is where we're supposed to be where the, where the narrative is supposed to go. We've been in Sam's head this whole time anyway. Um, so I, I appreciate that. I appreciated that. Uh, Tolkien did set this up in a way that it was pretty believable. Um, right. Yeah. Let's see. Um, I had something. Oh, written wait, down. Oh, speaking of the orcs speaking, I had one more thing. I should have said this earlier. Shoot. Uh, did you notice that the orcs Philip speak Spanish? I appreciate it. I did. This. I did know this. <laughs> yes. Oh, so they say hola. <laughs> well, you know, this thing is it's not the orcs actually. It's Sam's interpretation of <laughs> oh, this is true. of the orcs. Sam is probably a racist. <laughs> uh but no, that is funny. And then we have hola, but then we also have hi H A I. So they also speak right. Japanese, so 
Oh, uh, but anyway, sorry, more seriousness. What were you going to say? Oh, um, I was going to say, so when Sam is holding the file of Galadriel, um, and they, when this happens, there's kind of this thing that uh, has happened also to Frodo, where they start speaking in a language that they don't understand. Um, I, uh, I was thinking recently about um, the role of memory, and when Sam uh, is holding up the file first, he... It says, um, Gladriel, he said faintly, and then he heard voices far off but clear, the crying of the elves as they walked under the stars in the beloved shadows of the Shire, and the music of the elves as it came through his sleep in the Hall of the Fire in the House of Elrond. Um, and so he's remembering, you know, these experiences he's had with, with elves. But then it seems like this, this language that he doesn't understand, there could be some some sense of his his self like his soul remembering it like something that you you know because it's part of like an experience out of time or this yeah. is just something that's woven into like who you are or like your existence outside of your like like entrance into the world and exit yeah hmm. um but yeah and then then the orcs start speaking japanese and it's real like that's uh... <laughs> crazy Let's see. Oh, there's um when Sam is uh listening behind a, a stone door, uh listening to the orcs discuss Frodo. Um there's some uh Christ imagery there of course. Frodo's dead and you know, and going to come back to life and he's being guarded behind a stone door. Um mm -hmm. Yeah, we just had Yeah, we just had Easter so uh, you know. So it's on your mind. So it's you know, it's topical. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So um I was just going to talk about how this is the end of book four. It's the end of the two towers. Um, looking back over book four as a whole, I actually want to first look at this chapter as the ending of the two towers volumes, as the ending of books, both books three and four. Um, and because I think that's when it get me to what I think book four is overall. Okay. Point yeah, is, or messages perhaps. So looking at this as the end of, Book three and book four of the two towers as a whole. We, you know, and I mentioned this when we talked about the breaking of fellowship. It's not clear. Well, how should I put this? I mean, this was all written to be one novel published at once. It wasn't intended at first to be published in three parts. So, you know, sometimes this chapter being that the close of book three and four together is is coincidence, right? I mean. It, it, it could have been otherwise. It just is. And we talked about with the Breaking of Fellowship. But it, again, I'm struck by how well it ends up working. We said with Breaking the Fellowship, it was a really fitting divider point. And that books one and two worked really well to establish uh, the sort of formation of the party and what happens with the, the party. And that, that worked really well. And then book, sorry, not book, but uh, volume two, Two Towers, the two books seem to work pretty well in that they have this sort of interconnected relationship, like this weirdly parallel but inverted relationship with each other. Right. And I talked way back at the beginning of book four in either an episode or sorry, either for chapter one or chapter two, that there was this parallel between like three characters traveling across like a plane of some kind. We had Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli in book three traveling across the grassy fields of Rohan. And we have Sam, Frodo, and Gollum going across the dead marshes. Each of them has some kind of scout, like whether it's Gollum or Aragorn. And they have that kind of relationship. But here is where we see 
more of that interconnectedness because they both end, books three and book four, both end essentially at a tower. And this is where the name Two Towers might come from. Tolkien actually has made a couple different, like, or gave a couple different possibilities. Um, but, the, you know, here we're in the, the shadow of Kirith Ungol, the tower. And book three ended at Orthanc, the tower. For what it's worth, Tolkien also said the... He said Orthanc was a tower, but then he also said Minas Morgul could be one of the, the other tower. I, I think it works either way, right? Whether you take Minas Morgul here or Kirith Ungol, fine. It doesn't matter. They both end in the shadow of a tower. So some kind of parallel there. Someone's captured in the t in a tower. This is where the Minas Morgul thing won't work anymore. But uh, if you take it as Kirith Ungol, someone's captured in a tower at the end of book three and book four. So you have Saruman and Orthanc in book three, Frodo and Kirith Ungol in book four. Interesting inversion that one's a villain. Exactly. Um, yeah. One's a hero. But not only do the, do the two, I think, have that inverted slash parallel relationship, I do think they are building up a theme. Because in book three, we are set in Rohan. And Rohan's whole thing, their whole aesthetic, is that they are in decline and they represent the world in decline and civilizations that are in decline uh, more broadly and like the tragedy of that. Uh, it's a dwindling culture. Book four has a lot to talk about, a lot of hints, a lot of these little moments where they try and say like, hey, maybe there is something that endures, something that, that's not diminishing and we don't get to it right we just see these hints and the hints never work out but like they're there we saw the window on the west where the beautiful sunset and the beautiful lighting that comes at a certain time does pass but faramir does say that there's something beyond elven home that is forever right you know whatever that is we saw the the statue with the crown that at a certain time of day gets lit up and it looks like a crown of stars, but then it goes and it fades. And I think that's another hint. So I, I think you get the, the stories two books... too. The, yeah, the I mean, exactly. Go. Yeah, the story where Sam mm -hmm. and are discussing how stories continue on, right? In some you know, internal fashion. Exactly. Book four is like starting to get closer to the answer of like what in like book three says like things don't last which of course you know book two did too like i'm not saying this theme is unique to each book and you know but i do think it works pretty well that book three has that permeating just because rohan is just just embodies that and book four it just keeps coming up it keeps coming up of like the hints that things aren't lasting and then like these discussions about what does you know stories seem to okay that's something but even those seem to be like maybe not like if sauron wins there's a kind of a sense of this <laughs> yeah there, there will be no more songs um, right uh yeah so that comes and that actually came up in this chapter again too sam says that right that right if i stay behind here sauron's gonna win and i won't forget the story thing it's not gonna happen it's so yeah i think they're in dialogue with each other in a way i think three is pitching something and four is saying okay maybe it's like trying out a few different answers to like the problem three is posing and um yes yeah, so as a result i think they work really well and and i do think that's like book four's ultimate overall thematic point yeah there there are two instances that i think just in my memory yell out to me for the type of thing you're discussing there is when frodo and sam laugh uh in mordor and there is uh, i think it was those are chapters of the crossroads, I think. But it um, after the crossroads, when they're uh, they're in Mordor and they laugh, and the book says that there has been that hasn't happened before, 
right? Like in this yeah. town, this area. And then there's also uh, the fight with Shelob where uh, you have Sam doing something that could not have been done before. Um, and so there's also this uh, sense of that novelty, uh, new things are still happening, that it's not just, oh, this is the world and there's, you know, great heroes and they're all gone and you okay, like close the book on the new things or important things that are happening in the world. Um, but there's like these several instances where these hobbits are doing things that are, uh, well, you know, they're, you know, worthy of being written down is, is one way to think about it, but um, they're just new things are happening, right? New records are being set. New, yeah. it's not all in the past. Uh, mm -hmm. Current events are important too. Yeah, it's that sense that there's a, a, an eternal story being told. Mm -hmm. Thinking um, of book four as a whole and book three and two towers and just really everything we've been to, I've mentioned before how reading this book now over this past year and in the format we've been doing it has changed my viewpoint or my evaluation of which parts I think were really good and which parts I wasn't as hot on before. And, you know, going into this reading, I traditionally had told you, would have told you that book three is my favorite of the six books. And I remember mentioning at the end of, when we got to the end of book three, that my opinion of it had, uh, declined a bit <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah uh, I, remember that. I, I said as i said it was very like uneven i said I had, the highs were really high but the lows were probably low, some of the lowest that we had gotten to there were just parts where it just would drag and i wouldn't have noticed those in my in when, if i weren't doing this sort of chapter a week kind of format because i would just plow right through them and not even think anything of it book four its stock has risen considerably doing it in this format because i think book four is it's tough to read at once, but if you break it down like this, you're not worn down by the the slog that is inherently Frodo and Sam and Gollum walking right. in the wilderness, and you're left there to really take in the atmosphere, the environments, those little images that keep coming up that seem to be communicating a bigger theme. I, I don't know if you notice those if you're reading it quickly. I think you don't. In, yeah. Yeah, I think you don't because I think, I think this book four changes tone, more like linguist, mm -hmm. like the writing style changes more, more often, I should say, um, and I think that. I remember being a little exhausted getting through, book four just on a casual reading. Yeah. Where it's just. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and I think like giving this type of format where you give yourself a little bit of rest to like come back into the book, um, I think is, yeah, definitely makes it uh, easier to appreciate. Um, yeah. It says a lot that I am not happy to be leaving it. Like I'm not happy right. to be leaving Frodo and Sam's thread. Whereas I think in more in past readings, I was, I was relieved. <laughs> it's like, Oh yeah, let's get back to, uh, like, all right. Let's wizards get back to the and you know, yeah. Yeah. Let's do um, it. Oh, you know, just uh, uh, one thing to mention. Um, you were talking about uh, Saruman and, and being in the tower and Frodo being in the tower. Um, yeah. That's, that's such a cool thing to point out. And it's What can neat. I say? Yeah, no, I mean, it's 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 really great. I, I think that's that's really cool, This the, the noticing of the inversion here and specifically that point. And there's, uh, there's also part of that inversion happens with the pairings too, where you have a, a duo of, Frodo and Sam, right? And then you have a duo yeah. of Saruman and Wormtongue. 
mm-hmm. right? And their relationship is inverted too. Whereas you know, uh, they're you know, Saruman is the master and Frodo is the master, but the uh, the that master uh, uh, servant relationship is completely backwards, right? We're ruling out of fear versus like having your servant love you, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, there's betrayal, right? And then there's uh, loyalty from Sam. Mm-hmm. Heck of a book. That's all I can say. Heck of a book. In fact, one might call it Tolkien's masterpiece. Interesting. Interesting, which, yeah, well, let's let's come back to that topic because um, let, let's talk about favorite lines for a second and then we're going to, sure. just to introduce something a little special, slightly um, special for us. It actually, for the audience, will probably won't mean anything but (laughs) (laughs) um favorite line pip what do you got uh so actually i didn't really have a favorite line in this chapter but i did have like from prose but i liked the line sam had fallen to his knees by frodo's head his senses reeling in the foul stench his two hands still gripping the hilt of his sword uh and this is right after shelob uh you know stabs herself with sam and then uh but there's still the battle going on and he has to pursue her but i just like the imagery of him holding his his sword with two hands you know this this desperation in that um being on your knees and holding on with both hands uh there's a great line in the west wing describing a uh, leader of an african country who is holding his country together with both hands two hands great i wonder if tolkien watched the west wing you know he should have <laughs> mm. it is good that is a good line i'm sorry uh Excuse you. I don't mean to make fun. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry. This Forgive is a me. moment of seriousness. Um, my favorite line is is the last one. I think this is such a good cliffhanger ending. I love it. Frodo was alive, but taken by the enemy. That's it. End. Boom. Uh, yeah, love it. Well, all right. Do you want to introduce our uh, bonus content? Yeah, we have t- a few more minutes. Even though we are done with this chapter, we have a few more minutes of content for you guys because... Um, we Pip and I were recently in Switzerland, and we went to Lauterbrunnen, which is a place Tolkien himself visited and serves as inspiration. In fact, there's like signs in the town and in the valley. It's actually a great uh, big statue, out, great. a wax statue of Aragorn. There is wax statue. It's of terrible. <laughs> <laughs> just, just awful. Uh, but you can go see it, and anyway, stunningly beautiful place. While we were there, we thought, hey, let's record some podcast stuff live so to speak not i guess not live on location on location and yeah uh, you know one theme before we i play it on this episode i know one theme i remember discussing in it is the idea of a masterpiece and what that means and so i've been thinking a lot more about that too since we recorded that and uh, reading this book again re- getting to this cliffhanger and stuff has really just again confirmed to me the like that this is it goes without saying, but this this is a masterpiece book. Like this is a really is. deep, dense, and it's it's a heck of a book. But <laughs> um, it really is something special. It's not just good. Like there's something really special about this book. Like when I read The Hobbit, The Hobbit is good. Like this this to me is a step up. But by which I don't mean any. Like, just, I love The Hobbit, but you know, I there's some kind of depth and density to it to this book, and I've just really been chewing on that uh, the past week or so and anyway enjoy my little discussion about it uh, in this bonus content we're going to play that now and then uh we will see you guys again in another week five book five
All right, folks, this is a special bonus content episode of All Rings Considered, where we are live on location. And so if you hear bells in the background, those are church bells. We are outside in Lauterbrunnen, Switzerland. Pips, give me the nod that that's right, that I've said that right. I think I did. I, I, I don't know. We're going to try. Let's point this microphone and see if you guys can hear any bells. So we are overlooking this valley that Tolkien himself hiked into in 1911. The valley was supposedly the influence for Rivendell. And looking at it, you can definitely tell. So we're going to put a lot of pictures up in on our website and in the comments so you guys can see what this is all about. And it is absolutely stunning. So if you ever want to see what maybe Middle Earth might have looked like in real life, come here, Lauterbrunnen, Switzerland. And uh, I want to start us off to, like, I mean, this this bonus episode, we don't know what episode this is going to be on, t- on like, linked with, so we're not going to avoid, we're not going to talk about a specific chapter, necessarily, in the book. But I will say that um, being on this trip and being up here has reminded me about how Lord of the Rings is such a good walking book. And I'm a big hiker. I know Pip's a big hiker. And one, I think one of the reasons we like the book is because of its depiction of walking and of hiking. And this is a nice, fresh reminder of that strength of the book i think another thing that's just super cool for me is just being in a spot that is such a big influence uh, on someone who creates such a, such masterpieces and i think that's really important actually it's something pip and i have talked about is this idea of a masterpiece c.s lewis once called in his review of fellowship of the ring he called it lightning from a clear sky and i think that's really important for a masterpiece that you have all these inspirations but that they're ultimately unexpected and that, I think, is what Tolkien did, something unexpected, something you were not anticipating. And even if it's not entirely original, nobody's expecting to see it at the time. And Tolkien's not original, but in his time, and even today, he is doing things that you don't necessarily expect. Anyway, that's what I'm thinking about. Pip, do you have any thoughts, any comments? I do have some thoughts. Um, so we are sitting here in this majestic view um, overlooking the valley in Lauterbrunnen, uh, you can do a quick Google search and you'll probably find where we're exactly sitting um, or the view anyway. Um, and I think what strikes me the most is the grandeur of the earth here. It's something you appreciate a lot when reading the Lord of the Rings that there is a description of the, the earth. There's uh, something about the natural world that's, uh, that's enhanced through reading this book. Um, Charlie mentioned it's a, a walking book and you explore so many locations. And this for me sitting here, it's incredible. Um, and it really brings to light how uh, amazing a location can really be. And, and just the earth itself can be uh, awesome, you know, in the original sense of the word. Yeah, there's a sense that there's a character to the landscape, to the location. Landscape is character. And uh, you get a you, you get a sense of that here in a major way. So come check out Lauterbrunnen if you get the chance. We're going to wrap this up because we got other things to do than sit around and talk to a microphone. But super happy to be here. And we will see you guys on the next episode.